Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 21 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Halgerson. We're going to do things a little different today. No, we're still going to tip stick with the five topics in unpopular opinion, but the NBA is back, people. So it's a strictly NBA edition of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. So five topics all on the NBA. Unpopular opinion will be an NBA topic as well. So first topic I want to get to today, people, basketball is back. The return of basketball after the month-long hiatus of not getting to watch it as it was unfortunately postponed back on March 11th of this year, which is which unfortunately happened to be my birthday, but basketball is back and people cannot be more excited for it. According to TNT, the NBA's restart doubleheader on Thursday averaged 3.4 million total viewers, more than doubling TNT's average viewership for regular season telecasts. The marquee game, the doubleheader between the Lakers and Clippers peaked with an average of 4.1 million viewers. People are excited. Basketball is back. I know I'm thrilled for it. I've tried to watch as many games as possible as of now. I watched the Lakers-Raptors game last night. I managed to watch the two doubleheader games on opening night. And, yeah, I've tried to fit in a game at least once a day that I've been able to watch. Definitely going to watch the Trailblazers play the Celtics later today. And uh, I believe Bucks rockets are tonight too so there are some high intensity games that we get to see and uh, it's been a little sloppy I will admit the turnovers have been there teams haven't been shooting that great that's understandable though you're taking four or five months off and then you're going to play high octane basketball that matters towards seeding of course it's not going to be perfect out there defenses are going to have a huge advantage moving forward as of right now until the offenses and guys get their feet under them and in the flow of things but it's been good basketball the games have been competitive. Yeah, the Raptors-Lakers game got a little out of hand yesterday as the Raptors took it to them, but it was a close game through, throughout until the last few minutes of the fourth quarter until the Raptors took over. It was a close game. And then obviously with the Lakers-Clippers game that started things out on opening night, came down to the final shot. Same with the Jazz Pelicans, came down to the final shot. You know, the Memphis Trailblazers game the following Friday came down to overtime. It's good basketball. It's been great. Guys are playing defense. It's been absolutely more than entertaining. Uh, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm so glad that it's finally back. And uh, I can't wait for the games today. You know, it just continues. And these are important games. At this point, the Pelicans have lost two games. They just lost to the Clippers last night as the Clippers broke a franchise record for made threes. With I believe they hit 25 made threes, but... The Pelicans, the NBA's dream scenario of Zion against LeBron in the first round is diminishing by the day. That's why it's so entertaining. So many good storylines keep going after just one night. And people are going to draw conclusions after one game and say this team doesn't have a chance. A lot of people are doing that with the Lakers after they lost to the Raptors. I don't see that as the case because they still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I just think the Raptors are a legit team and not a team to be frowned upon or look past just because they lost Kawhi Leonard, but Pelicans, they're they're diminishing by the day, and the Trailblazers, they're looking good, but they got a tough one this afternoon against the Celtics, so these games matter, are very important when it comes to seeding and how things are going to shake up, and they're the best players in the world. Of course, it's going to be entertaining, so I'm so thankful basketball is back. It's been an absolute ride so far, and I'm looking forward to see how things progress. You know, the Lakers just need one more win to secure that one seed. Bucks pretty much have that wrapped up. Um, I think they for sure wrap it up today if they do beat the Rockets later tonight. So these games matter for seeding all around. Matchups, like teams want to win because you don't want to end up, especially in the Western Conference, and that even goes for the Eastern Conference too. You don't want to face the Raptors or the Celtics in the second round if you're the 76ers. You You just don't want those kind of bad matchups early on if you want to go deep into the playoffs. That goes for the Western Conference, too. It's absolutely stacked. To have to play the Mavericks in the first round would be trouble. To have to play the Rockets in the first round as well, if you're a team like the Nuggets or the Clippers, that's a tough matchup. None of these teams are pushover now. It's all going to be difficult, high-octane basketball, so I'm here for it, and it's been great. I'm loving it. 
I'm loving it so far. Let's keep it going. Topic number two that I want to get to. Last episode, I uh, broke down my picks for the all-NBA teams. This time, we're going to do the awards. That's right. I'm making my awards predictions, and we'll start with the MVP. Now, if you listen to the podcast or if you know me personally, you know that I think LeBron James is the best player in the world, and I still think that happens to be the case to this day, that he is still the best player. And again, he is considered for the MVP, 35 years old, year 17, the things he's doing, leading the league in assists, again, averaging more than 25 points a game. He's been one of the Besides Anthony Davis, he's the for sure leader on that Lakers team. He's been absolutely incredible this year, but unfortunately, he is not my pick for the MVP. That would go to Giannis Antetokounmpo. If you just look at his stats outright, look, he only averages 30.9 minutes a game. In those minutes, he averages 29.6 points a game, 13.7 rebounds, 5.8 assists, a steal, and a block. He is the fifth highest PER ever, the ninth highest... BPM ever, box score plus minus for those who don't know. And he led the Bucks to one of the best defenses ever, ever, best defenses ever. And he's the anchor of that. He's absolutely incredible. Their offense is spectacular with him. He's surrounded by Middleton, Bledsoe. He's the for sure leader. They have the best record in the league. It just, it's, it's hard to ignore the things that he is doing for this team. I didn't want to pick him because I'm such a LeBron fan, but I can't let my bias get in the way of what is really going on in the court. It, it's Giannis. Giannis is the MVP. He's just had such a spectacular year. I wish I could ignore it, but he, he's going to win back-to-back MVPs. He won last year. He's going to win this year. The Bucks have been one of the most dominant teams that we've ever seen in the regular season since the 73-9 and Golden State Warriors. It just... It's really hard to ignore what he does on the basketball court. So, you know, I'm going to give him his credit, and the credit is due for him to be the MVP for this season. Defensive player of the year. Look, again, if you know me, you know Anthony Davis is one of my favorite players. And I want to consider him to be defensive player of the year. You know, he leads the Lakers in every statistical category besides assists other than LeBron. So he's definitely one one of the best players in the league. He's been an absolute force defensively for the Lakers. They have the third best defense overall. But unfortunately, again, I got to go with Giannis and how incredible he is. First, he can guard one through five. It needs to be stated that he's 6'11", and he can defend guards as well as he can defend post guys. You know, he might not be the best defensive perimeter defender out there, but, gosh, he is just... Absolutely incredible with the schemes that Mike Budenholzer draws up. I, he can defend everything, one through five. That That's enough right there. Now, I know Anthony Davis can do that as well, but Antetokounmpo is ev- easily the best help defender we've seen since Draymond Green. And I think that's even good. And even going back further, LeBron James back in 2012, 2013, when he was with the Heat, he might be the greatest help defender ever. Guys shoot 36% on him. Uh, The advanced metrics are absolutely insane. The defensive rating is 96 per 100 possessions, 4.8 defensive win shares, 4.1 DPBM defensive box scores, for those who don't know. His fourth is 6.0. Defensive rebounding percentage of 34.5%. Just That's why Lopez doesn't get as many rebounds as you would think. I just... It's absolutely unbelievable how a guy can win MVP and also win Defensive Player of the Year award. He, his production on both sides of the ball is too much for me to ignore. God, and I really wanted to give it to LeBron and Davis because I like them more. I'm more biased to them. I pretty much watch every Lakers game, but I've also watched a lot of Bucks games. And you just see the things that Giannis does night in, night out. You can't ignore it. So I got to give it to Giannis, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Rookie of the Year. I don't understand how this is even a debate. First of all, it's John Morant, first and foremost. And the reason it's not Zion is Zion has only played 19 games in his professional NBA career, not including the two restart games. In, In the two restart games, okay, he's only played 21 professional basketball games in his entire life. Whereas Morant, he played the full season. He's a human highlight reel, just like Zion is. 
Raw numbers alone, 17.6 points a game, 3.5 rebounds, 7 assists a night. He's one of the best young point guards in the league. And unlike what Trey Young is doing, Jaw wins. Jaw's team is in playoff contention. They currently hold the eighth seed right now. You know, that same can be said about De'Aaron Fox. I love Fox's game as well, but Morant has his team in a better position to win. I just really don't don't understand how this is that much of a debate. How people are even considering considering Zion is he has a lot of nice stats. You know, he averages. I'll get more on Zion stats later when I announce all rookie team, but I just don't know how rookie of the year could go to anyone else other than John Morant. Shoots a good free throw rate, 4.5 attempts per game, and 60% conversion rate around the rim. He finishes around the rim. You just go look up his highlight tapes on how he finishes and how high he jumps and the things he does at his size. Absolutely mind-boggling for sure. So John Morant, my rookie of the year. Most improved. Okay, I got to go with Brandon Negro. He's averaging eight-plus points per game than he did last year. His shooting percentage has gone way up. And you could say he's getting more focused this year because Zion has been out. The Pelicans need offense. But he's also shooting a better percentage, too. His mid-range shooting is up. His three-point percentage is up. Every statistical category, he has gone up. There isn't anything that he hasn't gotten better at. Uh, You can't ignore what he's done for this Pelicans team. And again, he's the reason, since Zion has missed so much time, Ingram is the reason that they're even considered to get the invite to the bubble. He's the reason that they're up there. Ingram is a big part of their success. I think besides Zion, he's the second most important player on that team when Zion is healthy and able to go. I don't like the minutes restriction that they're doing with Zion, but again, that's a topic for another day. You know, he struggled early on in his career, but he's just shown that he's gotten better year in, year out, and he's just made a huge jump this year, so I got to give most improved player Brandon Ingram. He averaged, what, like 16 points last year? Now he's averaging or it was 15 points, and now he's averaging above 23. Like It's not something you can ignore of going up eight points in a season while also shooting a better percentage all around the board. So most improved player, Brandon Ingram. Sixth man of the year. I, winning matters with these awards. Like if you contribute to winning, I consider that a big part of it. And the man I got for sixth man of the year is not a clipper. It's a team that should, shouldn't be as good as they are, and it's Oklahoma City Thunder guard Dennis Schroeder. He's the first guard off the bench in an already not great bench, but this is arguably his best season ever. 19 points a game, 3.7 rebounds, 4.1 assists on a 57.3 true shooting percentage. He's played 31 minutes a game. That's third most behind Chris Paul and... Uh, Shea Gillis Alexander, you know, with them on the court, they're they're like the best hand. That's the best three in the league. They have the best point percentage of a three man lineup. Those three, Paul, Gillis Alexander, and Schroeder. I, I find that hard to believe, but somehow that's the stat for it. He's a little more reliable defensively than Lou Williams. I just. I can't ignore what he's doing. Shooting 38.1% from the from three, 83.9% from the free throw line. He's averaged highest points per game of all the bench players paired with an impressive efficiency. He's a good playmaker. He's given the Thunder a huge boost that they've needed because, again, I wrote the Thunder off. What did ESPN have it? Like a 0.2% chance that they would make the playoffs, and here they are as the five seed. Just won again yesterday yesterday against the Utah Jazz. They're looking like a good team. Schroeder's a big reason why. That's why I got to have him as my sixth man of the year award. It just He's having too good a year to ignore. He's led his team to a lot of success. So put him on the board. Sixth man, Dennis Schroeder. And then finally of the awards, coach of the year. It's got to be Nick Nurse. After losing Kawhi Leonard, everyone wrote this Raptors team off. Everyone assumed they were just going to 
go right back to where they were at kind of that five, six, seven range in the Eastern Conference, kind of be irrelevant, wouldn't be that great. No. Nick Nurse has this team playing at a great rate, 46 and 18, ignoring the two wins that they've already picked up in the bubble. They're looking fantastic. 12th in offensive rating, second in defensive rating, and they lost apparently the best two-way player in the league and a two-time defensive player of the year in Kawhi Leonard. And they have the second beat defensive rating in the league. Fourth in net rating at 6.4. Nick Nurse is a big reason why. Now, I think they got a lot of nice players of Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet. I like what Powell does for them. I like what OG Ananobi does for them. I really like this Raptors team. They got a lot of ballers out there. But even with losing a supposed top three player in the league, they're still second best record in the Eastern Conference. As a matter of fact, they have a better record at the restart last year. When the season ended, as of March 11th of last year, they had a better record this year than they did last year, and they had Kawhi Leonard last year. If that doesn't say enough on how much of an impact Nick Nurse has on this team, I don't know what to tell you. I read an article that also said they run 24 different defensive schemes, and it makes sense. That's why LeBron and Anthony Davis look pedestrian in yesterday's game. That's why the Lakers shot uh, season low in field goal percentage, in field goals made, in assists. Just the Raptors are a tough team to go up against. And Nick Nurse, big reason why got to be my coach of the year, and again, puts them in another great situation to find themselves back in the NBA Finals to go back-to-back champs. Remember, they're the champions of last year, and they're playing like it. They're playing extremely well. Nick Nurse, big reason why, so coach of the year. So to run down the awards again, I got Giannis as my MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. As my Rookie of the Year, I got John Morant. As my most improved, I got Brandon Ingram. As my sixth man, I got Dennis Schroeder. And as my coach of the year, I got Nick Nurks. Topic number three, all NBA defensive team predictions. That's right. We're just running it down. I know I did all NBA teams. Last episode, if you want to know my picks for that, feel free to listen to episode 20. But here, let's get to all defensive teams. Number one, first team, first player, I got to say, obviously Giannis. I already sang his praises, why he should have been, you know, defensive player of the year. He's just, yeah, he's just incredible. Really guards the team's best player. He's the most disruptive health defender in the entire league. He just, with having a two-headed monster of Lopez and Giannis to protect the rim, it's really tough to score against them. That's why they have the best defensive rating and the best defense in the NBA right now. So Giannis, obviously, my guy, first guy has to be mentioned. Second guy, Anthony Davis. Lakers have the third-ranked defense in the league and perhaps most importantly lit a fire under LeBron by getting him to play defense because that was the thing. People said LeBron didn't play defense anymore. He takes nights off. No, Anthony Davis made sure that LeBron played defense. Again, like I said, he leads them in pretty much every statistical category, and that includes defenses, blocks, defensive rebounds, steals, opponent defensive field goal percentage. Anthony Davis, yeah, he was definitely the second choice for defensive player of the year. I don't think that's much of a debate. Again, another guy who can guard one through five. He can guard guards, and he can also guard post guys. Obviously a better post defender than he is an outside defender, but still incredible. He's just an incredible player, and, uh, you know, got to give it to Davis. He's great. He's absolutely spectacular. A guard that I got to include? I'm not that big a fan of this guy just because his offensive game is so limited, but Ben Simmons is absolutely one of the best defenders in the league. He for sure guards the best guy on the floor every night for the opposing team. And, again, another guy who can guard one through five. Six, ten point guard who can guard your point guard. And then if your center wants to post up on him, Ben Simmons can get the job done on that side. He can also defend wings. He's going to be the tallest player in NBA history to lead the league in steals. And one more needs to be said. He's an absolute stopper out there. you got to love what Ben Simmons does for them. I just His offensive game is limited. That's why I didn't include him on my all-NBA picks. But, again... I'm not going to ignore what he does defensively because he does spectacular things for the 76ers team. But again, 
I don't think they're going to go that far just because they're so limited offensively with him not being able to shoot. The second guard that I have on there for the All-NBA first, all-defensive team, Drew Holiday. You know, it's very odd that a guard would guard a team's number one on the other end. And at being only like, what, 6'1", 6'2", he's not that, maybe 6'3", maybe 6'4". He's not that big, yet he goes out and he'll guard LeBron James for the Lakers. He leads the league in it. In deflections, still one of the most active defenders. I got to have him number one, just that alone. Deflections, disrupting plays, guarding the number one as a guard. Got to include him on there. You know, I love Drew Holiday's game. He can do it all on the offense and defensive side, but his defense um, doesn't get enough praise for how good of a defender he is. So got to include him as the other guard on the number one. And then the final player, Rudy Gobert. He's going to finish third in the Defensive Player of the Year voting, in my opinion. Again, he very well could win the award for the third straight season. Remember, he won the last two seasons. He very well could win again. I don't think he will, but he just might. Tied um, tied with Enacumbo for the most uh, votes among all players. You know, it's been kind of a roller coaster ride for him considering he was the main kind of scapegoat, if you will, for the corona breakout. But, again, one of the best rim protectors in the league, another guy that can defend guards pretty well for his size at seven foot. It's just tough to score on. He just blocks everyone's shot. And, yeah, you know, the Jazz are the Jazz, are the jazz, and he's a big reason why the Jazz are that. And he's also, you know, he does his thing on the offensive end as far as dunking the ball. You know, he's got one of the best shooting percentages in the league. So, uh, But his defense is the reason why he's considered an elite player. Um, still elite at that defensive spot at the center. So got to include him. Go pair. So first team, Giannis, Anthony Davis. Gobert, Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday. Second team, I got to give this Raptors team credit. Kyle Lowry is the first guy I'm going to name. And again, Raptors have the second best defense in the league. They got some good wing defenders with Siakam, Ananobi. They are worth consideration, I think. But the 34-year-old Kyle Lowry is the hustle king. If you watch any of the games, he's drawing charges all the time. He's always causing loose balls. He's always part of every play. Kyle Lowry is everywhere for this Raptors team. He, he belongs on there. I believe he leads the league or is second in the league in drawn charges. He's just a disruptor out there. If anything, so his key signature move is drawing a charge. That alone should give you consideration for an all-NBA defensive team if that's one of your skills. He did in the All-Star game. He drew a charge late against James Harden. It's his signature of drawing offensive fouls. He's so good at it, great defender, and the Raptors, again, second-best defense in the league. you got to give them credit somewhere, so I'm going to give the credit Kyle Lowry. The second guard, again, I'm going to go with the top defensive teams and Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe belongs on there because, again, Bucks have the best defense, and he's a big reason why. People need to realize this. He's like 6'1", 6'2", and has like a 6'10", 6'11", wingspan. I don't, genetically, that shouldn't even be physically possible. But everything backs up that he should belong on this list. Yes, gets the benefit of the doubt of having Antetokounmpo and Lopez behind him, but... His steals, his contested shots, he does a great job of that. He's tough to get by in the pick and roll. He's a big ball stopper. Uh, he really stops the break well, point of attack. He's, he's a really good player. Bledsoe doesn't get enough credit. It's just because they come around in the postseason, and he kind of doesn't do what he's supposed to do. But again, really good defender. He's a brick wall out there. If you watch these bucks, you'll see it firsthand of like, who's that guard? Who's the guard that's slowing everyone down? That's Eric Bledsoe out there for you. So I include him, second guard out there. Third guy, you got to go with Kawhi Leonard. You know, he's still one of the best two-way players in the league. Yeah, you could say his defense has gone down a little bit the past two seasons, but again, he still guards the best player every night. Uh, You know, he takes nights off, but he's still a good defender. Uh, Players shoot under 40% 
on the season, ranks among the lead leader in both loose balls, recovered and deflections. Uh, with his effort, more often than not, he's still one of the best defensive players in the league. So it's hard to ignore his production on that side of the ball. And then he'll also give you 25 a night. So got to go with Kawhi Leonard as my third guy on there. Um, fourth guy, Jimmy Butler. He is the leader of this Miami Heat team, obviously. And he also, again, another guy, he guards the best player each and every night, leads the league and leads that team in steals. And they got a lot of talent. You know, I like the players that they have, but they're not a lot of defensive guys. They aren't defensive players, that's for sure. You can't say Kelly Olenek is a defensive stopper. You can't say that about Tyler Hero, Gordon Drogic, Duncan Robinson. Those guys are not defensive stoppers. And yet, they're a positive rating defensive team. And that is because of Jimmy Butler. He gets those guys to play hard. He gets them to play hard, play as a unit, play as one. He can switch everywhere. He's not a guy who can guard one through five, but he can guard one through four. He's strong enough to guard power forwards, not necessarily centers, but he can guard guards with the best of them. So I got to include Jimmy Butler on here. He just belongs. Third guy, God, the Bucks are just coming up with all these awards. Brooke Lopez. I mean, I didn't want to believe it either, but he is one of the top rim protectors in the league. Not only is Lopez contesting more shots than anyone else in the league, he's forcing opponents into a worse field goal percentage at the rim than any other prominent rim protector. Let me say that again. Brooke Lopez is forcing opponents to the worst field goal percentage at the rim than anyone else in the league. Brooke Lopez, of all people. He definitely needs to be considered for defensive player of the year doing things like that. I know Giannis might have better statistics all around the board than Lopez and everything, but to be doing something like that for what he has done throughout his career, got to give credit to Brooke Lopez. Respect to him. I didn't want to believe it either, you know, because you always look bad at the next Nets days where he's getting dunked on left and right. No, he's playing great defense for this Bucks team, and again, top defensive team in the league. They got to get credit for it, and there's three guys that are at the helm of it. Giannis, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez. You could almost argue that he should be higher up than Gobert, but I had him on second team. So, Lopez. So, rounding out the second team all defense, Kyle Lowry, Eric Bledsoe, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Brooke Lopez. Fourth topic, all NBA rookie team. I'm going to give you my predictions again. We're just making predictions left and right here, people. So obviously, we'll start with the first team, John Moran. You know, if he's my rookie of the year, how could he not be first team? Again, his stats speak for himself. He has his team in a winning position. They're competing for a playoff spot. As of right now, they hold on to the eighth seed. Uh, that, you know, we don't know how that's going to play out the last eight games. But again, these final eight games don't go to any of these awards, selections for all NBA team, all defensive team, all rookie teams. That has already been decided as of March 11th that only what happened as of March 11th is going to dictate who gets on these awards. And to that point, John Morant for sure belonged all, as the rookie of the year and all rookie team. It's, what more needs to be said about him? I already sang his praises as the rookie of the year. He belongs there. John Morant, first guy. Second guy, I know. I just dissed Zion for only playing 19 games and as of right now has officially played 21. But through those 19 games, just the numbers can't be ignored. 23.6 points a game, 7 rebounds a game, 58.9% shooting from the field. He can knock down a three ball. We saw that in his first game back. I really don't understand this minutes restriction around him as the NBA restarts. It's absolutely absurd why he's only playing 14, 15 minutes a night. The Pelicans had a chance to beat the Jazz. The game came down to the final shot, and the Pelicans just happened to miss, but Zion didn't play the final five to seven minutes, and it was a winnable game. I don't understand resting him. He just had four or five months off. He should be well-rested. There shouldn't be any concerns for his health of going out there. If you don't want to go out there and get him hurt, I understand that. But he could get work walking down the stairs at one of those at the resort that they're staying at. He could have a freak injury like that. So to not be playing him, I think, is 
absolutely embarrassing for this Pelicans team. He should be on the floor right now, but he belongs on the rookie team because a lot of people are saying he's the new face of the league, and I find that pretty ridiculous at being 19 years old, but he's a phenom out there. He definitely gets the notice. He gets the views. He brings the eyeballs because of his high-flying action, but I just like Jaw that he's played more, has been more consistent this year where and again, Zion, I don't want to discredit him because he's been phenomenal and has been doing some incredible things for this team. I think he's got, what, like three 30-point games? Something like that, maybe even more, but he's been good for them. In the time he has played, he's been a game-changer for them, and they definitely could be in the postseason, but unfortunately he started the year hurt, finally came back, so the future is bright for the Pelicans and Zion, so I got to have him on an all-rookie team. Third guy undrafted rookie Kendrick Nunn of the Miami Heat. Just just wow. I just an undrafted guy being this good in 62 games, he started. He's a starter for the Heat. Are we just going to ignore that? He starts for them as an undrafted rookie and still averages 15.6 points a game, shoots 44.8% from the field. 36% from three-point range. And is by, he's just the biggest surprise of the draft because he went undrafted. They're, four, they're the fourth seed in Miami as of right now. They won again yesterday against the Nuggets. And again, none of these games in the bubble matter towards these awards, but up until this point, he's been spectacular. I think he's been the second-best rookie. And if anything, I wouldn't even vote Zion second in my rookie of the year. I would vote Kendrick Nunn. As an undrafted guy to be this good this early is a lot of credit to him. You know, he said, every team slept on me. Miami Heat signed me after the draft. You know, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. He's doing just that. Love it. And he believes in himself, too. I think this is the quote from him. I think people will say that Moran is the rookie of the year, but I don't believe it. The most value should be the wins. And we're both the starting guards on the team, and our team has been holding it down. We're a playoff team, so go ahead and give the Rookie of the Year to Kendrick Nunn. Love the confidence out of him. He believes in himself. I believe in him, too. He's a really good player. So Kendrick Nunn belongs on an all-NBA rookie team and first team at that. The fourth guy, I'm going to give it to... Hmm, I'm going to give it to John Morant's co-star in Memphis. Not Jaron Jackson, but Brandon Clark. Yeah, the guy came out firing, you know, but averaging 17.6 points you know, right away, he's a good player. You know, you can't ignore what he's done. And my mistake, he's aver- so he's played in 50 games, averages 12 points a game, 5.8 rebounds, 1.4 assists, shoots 62.3% from the field, 40% from three-point range. You know, uh, you got to give him more touches, I would think. The Memphis just has a young, up-and-coming team. They're really strong all around. Just got to like what he does for them. And got to love what the future does for them. So I got to give him credit. Again, two rookies and Jaron Jackson, a second-year guy, are leading Memphis in the playoffs right now against teams like the Spurs, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, who were just in the Western Conference Finals, uh, a young, up-and-coming team in the Sacramento Kings, a young, up-and-coming coming team in the New Orleans Pelicans. There's a lot of good teams in that Western Conference, and these two rookies are leading the way for this Memphis Grizzlies team. So got to give them credit right there. So Brandon Clark, fourth guy. Fifth guy, Rui Hashimura for the Washington Wizards. Now, I know he doesn't get any praise because, frankly, plays for the Wizards. You know, just have to give him praise when he plays for a bad team. But with Bradley Beal and John Wall having missed time, he stepped up nicely, played in 41 games. He suffered some injuries himself, but he averages 13.5 points a game, 6.1 rebounds, 1.7 assists, shoots 48% from the field, 27 points from three-point range. This is his chance to shine and show people why he belongs on first-team all-rookie because, well, they don't have anyone in Washington. Bradley Beal's sitting out. Obviously, John Wall's not playing. Bertans is also sitting out as well. Who else is going to get touches? This is his time to shine. He should be doing big things for them. I expect him to. 
He's a good player, and that's why I got him first team all-rookie. Second team, this is a guy who I think should get a lot more credit, even though he went to a big university, Kobe White. You know, He's only started one game, but has more 30-point games than any rookie not named Zion Williamson. And he's done it, and they've each done it three times. So, if anything, you could make the debate that he belongs on there over maybe a guy like Brandon Clark or Kendrick Nunn. But, you know, again, winning matters. Bulls haven't been good, but he's been a bright spot for them. He's got one hell of a shooting stroke. Um... He scored 20 or more points 13 times. That's tied with R.J. Barrett and Eric Paschal for fourth most of the rookie class. You know, he's a scorer. He's a scorer and a shooter, so I really like what he does for this Bulls team. Uh, frankly, he should start. You know, I, I know they want to have, um, what do they got, done out there starting over him with Levine, but I would, I would like to have Kobe White out there just because he's such a good scorer. I know Nunn is a good defender. Probably could have been considered for all defensive team, but I snubbed him. Sorry, none had to do it to you, but I like Kobe White's future. I like what he's doing for this Bulls team, even though they're not very good, but I think he's a bright spot for hopefully they can turn things around. Second guy, the other big name of this last year's draft class, R.J. Barrett. Now, I know he plays for the Knicks, and they've been absolutely atrocious this year, and it's easy to just say that they're the laughing stock of the league, but... He's had a good year. Fourth best scorer, 14.3 points a game. Grabbed five rebounds, fifth most among rookies. Shot over 40% um, with a March in March. And, uh, you know, he shot 44% from the field and averaged 18.7 points in March. So he was getting better. He was maybe going to make a more of a leap. Probably could have made an argument if the season kept going for first team if he was playing like that. It's just tough to ignore him. Got to love his potential. I think Tom Thibodeau will make him even better, just like he made Jimmy Butler into the player he is today. He's going to get Barrett to play better. He's just 20. He's also 20 years old. These guys are young, so give him time, you know. I know the Knicks have gone through a lot. He went through a different coach. Now he's got a new coach coming in. They had Fizdale, then went to Mike Malone. Uh, Mike Miller, excuse me. So they've had a lot of changes that he's had to deal with in just his first year. So, uh, he has to be included. He's too good not to ignore. Second guy, uh, third guy, excuse me, P.J. Washington of the Charlotte Hornets. Now, in his debut, he made seven threes against the Chicago Bulls. That's his debut. It's the most of any debut ever. So Washington had a good year. He shoots 37% from the three. He's a good rotation player for them. I think he could fit in rotation nicely when they have guys like Graham. Uh, I'm spacing the Michigan, uh, Miles Bridges, you know, Terry Rozier. You know, they, ha- they had some decent guys, but P.J. Washington would step in nicely. He can knock down a shot. Hopefully, you know, they got a nice young core that maybe can turn things around there. They haven't been able to do it when they had Kemba, but we'll see. Maybe they can. P.J. Washington was a nice spark to them. Have to include what he did. So he's my third guy. Fourth guy, he's limited defensively, but I had to include him. Tyler Hero, because he is such a good shooter. You know, he only played 47 games, so he missed some time, but he averaged 13 points a game, four rebounds, two assists, shot 41% from the field, shot just under 40% from three-point range. He's an absolute knockdown shooter. He's a nice boost off the bench for this Heat team. Yeah, they just have a young, up-and-coming team with Duncan Robinson, him, Kendrick Nunn. Jimmy Butler's a good veteran. Bam Anabio's a young guy who they can rely on. Just the Heat have a lot of nice pieces. And again, I think winning matters with these awards. And he's been successful on a winning team, showing that he can contribute to wins and make things happen for his team. So I like Tyler Hero at my fourth guy on there. Fifth guy... Eric Paschal. Now, I know the Golden State Warriors were the worst team in the league, but when they didn't have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, someone has to step up. And this guy averaged more points than Draymond Green. I know Draymond's not a score, but still needs to be said. He played 60 games this year, averaged 14 points a game, five rebounds, two points. Six assists, shot 49.7% from the field, 28% from three-point range. 
you know, again, they're a bad team. And like I said, I like winning with these awards, but you got to give credit to guys who are putting up these kind of numbers when you don't see it coming. I didn't see it coming at all. Every time I'd see Golden State on TV and I'd be like, who's this Eric Pascal guy? I just wouldn't believe it that he would be putting up these kind of numbers for them. But hopefully he can contribute when Steph and Clay come back next year as they're going to be back in the playoffs. They're going to be back in playoff contention with those two guys. Wiggins is coming you know, going to have a full season with them. Draymond Green should be back at full strength. So let's see if Pascal can contribute to a winning team and a going to be a dangerous team next year in the Golden State Warriors. So I, I like where uh, Pascal what Pascal did, so I'm not going to ignore it. So to run it down, second team, well, we'll go all the way. So first team, I got Ja, Zion, Kendrick Nunn, Brandon Clark, Roy Hushimura, and second team, I got Kobe White, R.J. Barrett, P.J. Washington, Tyler Hero, Eric Paschal. Oh, whew. those are some good teams. Like, those are some solid players. So a lot of bright futures here in the NBA. Again, like I think NBA has never been in a brighter spot, and it's only going to get better because the young guys, they're putting the league in good hands. I like where they're going to put this league. A lot of athleticism, a lot of high flyers, a lot of good shooters. So... And be, keep it up, guys. Keep it, on, keep it up, young bucks. Let's keep it going. Fifth topic I want to get to. i got to talk about these protests that the NBA is doing. I think it's great. A lot of teams have been taking a knee together with all the coaching staff. A lot of people, you see it, they've been all taking a knee, doing their thing. I think it's fantastic that they're speaking out on things that they want to speak out about. Police brutality, injustices. You know, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And even when guys do things like what Jonathan Isaac of the Magic did. So everyone before their game of the Magic, and I can't remember the team that they were playing, but everyone was taking a knee except for Jonathan Isaac. And they were all wearing Black Lives Matters t-shirts. And Jonathan Isaac didn't. He wore his Magic jersey, and he was standing. He stood for the national anthem. And he said that he, he doesn't see how it equates with uh, kneeling, for the uh, national anthem and Black Lives Matter. And I can respect that, you know, if that's how he feels, if that's how he wants to go about it, you know, more power to you. Uh, I like how we live in a country where you're allowed to express your own freedoms. I think that's fantastic. It should be good. And they played the Brooklyn Nets uh, during that game. Everyone else was taking a knee, had their Black Lives Matters t-shirts on. But no, he was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand for this. And that's what he believes, you know. He's a very... Christian guy. They say he's really conservative. He said he just doesn't see the connection between kneeling um, and how that, you know, brings up black lives. So I can respect that. And he said he's still for Black Lives Matter. He says he's still about the movement and bringing awareness to it, but he just didn't feel that was the right setting to do it. So if that's how he feels, I can respect it because I think that's a problem in this country. We don't let people have a different opinion if it's not the same as the mobs. You're allowed to have a different opinion. That's why we live in the best country in the world, because you can express those opinions and you can make it known that's how you feel. So good for him. And then yesterday, Popovich, he stood for the national anthem as well. He wore the Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Also their coach, Becky Hammond, the first, you know, women's uh, woman assistant coach in the NBA, she stood as well. Uh, They did that on Friday. So, he, again, Popovich, he's a military guy, graduated from the U.S. Air Force Academy and coached the USA national team. Um, it's just something that he's done. Uh, I don't recall. This is what he say. I prefer to keep that to myself as far as why um, that was his decision. Everyone else has to make a personal decision. The league's been great about that. Everyone has the freedom to react any way they want. For whatever reason I have, I reacted the way I wanted to. Um, What Isaac had to say specifically, here's the quote, kneeling while wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt doesn't go hand in hand with supporting black lives. So I agree with Popovich. If that's the way you feel and you want to bring awareness to things, how you want to bring awareness to things, that's great. Go about it. Do whatever you have to do. But again, that's why America is the best country. You have the freedom to choose. You have the chance to speak out. That's why we have freedom of speech Free freedom to protest, freedom of religion. You're allowed to do the things that you want to do. You can make those decisions for yourself. It, you don't. And again, 
Magic guard Evan Fournier said we all supported him. So clearly the Magic team had no issues with him doing that. They respected his decision, and that's all you can do. You got to respect people. You got to respect the decisions that they do. And I think that's why this is the greatest country ever, because we allow people to do that. Fortunately, we got away from it. And if you don't believe in a certain cause, people try to bring you down, go against you, try to cancel you in this cancel culture climate. I think that's terrible. I think it's awful. I think we're allowed to disagree on certain things and certain topics. And we can still be friends. We can still be cordial with each other. You don't have to like everything that your friends do. You can disagree on certain things, and that's okay. You have the right to do that. So I wish more people in our society today would agree with that. But in this climate, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. You know, I if I was an NBA player, I would be kneeling along with my teammates because that's a good way to bring uh, attention to social justice and social reform. But if guys don't feel that's the best way to go about it, that's okay too. I'm all for it. Whatever way you want to express yourself, do it. Just express yourself. Make your voice heard. Because you do have a voice as an NBA player. They do hear you loud and clear. But I think it's great that they're bringing attention to these matters in such a crazy, crazy time that is 2020. And those are the five topics. Now, my unpopular opinion for today, again, we're staying on the NBA side of things. There's a player that I don't think gets enough credit for what he has done over the tenure of his career. He no longer plays. He retired a while ago. But this man just doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. I know when it comes to the the GOAT conversation and the greatest of all time, I think it's LeBron James. A lot of other people think it's Michael Jordan. But there's a guy that I think gets left out of this conversation that needs to be included and talked about when we're talking about greatest player ever. And that man is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. First of all, he's got the most unstoppable shot in league history, the skyhook. If you don't know what it is, just go look up highlights of Kareem, and you'll see why he's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history with 38,387 points. He just It's the most unstoppable shot. You can't block it. It's absolutely incredible how, the longevity that he had. So in his NBA career, you can just look at it. Again, just doesn't get enough credit. Six-time MVP. 19-time All-Star. And remember, he played 20 years. He played 20 seasons. And he only didn't make an All-Star team once. Once. Oh, and you know what? That one year, he was like 24, 5, and excuse me. like He just he was a beast that year. Even in the year he didn't make. Oh, here's the exact numbers. 28, 25.8 points a game. 12.9 rebounds a game. Oh, he's also a two-time scoring champion, too. He needs to be included. Just the numbers are absolutely ridiculous when you look at Kareem. So like I said, 19-time All-Star in a 20-year career, 15-time All-NBA selection, 11-time All-NBA defensive team selection. He won six championships, went to 10 finals. He won championships with the Bucks and Oscar Robinson, and then also with the Showtime Lakers and Magic Johnson. Six-time NBA champion, two as an assistant coach, all-time leader in points, like I said. At one point, he was also the leader in games played, minutes played, field goals made, field goals attempted, block shots, defensive rebounds, career wins, and personal fouls. It needs to be included. Just... He won at every single level from his career at Power Memorial High School where he led his team to 71 consecutive victories in high school. A high school player winning 71 straight games. That's unheard of nowadays. Unheard of. And then, oh, he goes to college. What did he do? He went to UCLA and played under John Wooden. What did he do there? Won three consecutive national championships. Just think about that for a second. Three consecutive national championships. Guys are lucky to win one championship in college. Frankly, freshmen now don't even win the national championship, and they get all this high praise. Remember the Duke team with Zion, R.J. Barrett? All these freshmen and great players out of high school come together to form these super teams in college. Oh, they don't win. 
Oh, they still don't even win. And yet Kareem does. They have the longest win streak ever at UCLA. Again, three national championships. It just needs to keep being set from 1967 to 1969. Again, can you imagine someone doing something like that today? No. No, you can't. I don't even think someone could do that today. I don't think it's possible. I really don't. Just, wow. Just, wow. Four times he led the leagues in blocks. In his first four seasons, they weren't even counted. So you never know. Maybe that rate, that number is even higher. Once in rebounding, you know, I guess you'd think it's more, but there are a lot of good big men of the past. And he had his number 33 retired by the Bucks and Lakers. He was named Rookie of the Year. Ten time, just... Ten-time first-team All-NBA, five-time second-team All-NBA. And again, he's the NBA career leader in points, most points scored ever by an NBA player. Now, the projections are LeBron might pass him, but again, LeBron has to play four or five dominant seasons of averaging more than, I think, 25 points a game to be able to pass that. LeBron's already in year 17, going on year 18 next year. 35 years old. He needs to be putting up that kind of production at ages 39 and 40. That would be incredible if he was able to do it, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But again, Kareem just doesn't get enough credit. Doesn't get enough credit. There are 15 years between his first and last title. The last championship, 1988, Kareem was 40 years old. Yeah, a bit older, but he's still played 24 playoff games, a shade under 30 minutes, put up 14 points a game. And again, he was 40, 40 years old, still getting the job done. Just Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, again, just doesn't get enough credit. Does not get enough credit for what he was able to do. It needs to be said, Kareem belongs in the GOAT conversation. I think, in my opinion... I'll give you my top five greatest players ever. I got LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson. Those are the five greatest players that I've ever seen film or watch. Those are the best players in my opinion. But Kareem, I think there's a level to it. Those top three are just in a different stratosphere from the other guys of all around what they were able to do, how dominant they were out there just by themselves. Just Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, underrated. And that is the end of episode 21 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, check me out on social media. Feel free to check out my website. The links are on my social media pages. And remember, during this pandemic, that is the COVID-19 virus, wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace.